Welcome back to another episode of Mastering Retail, a new podcast series about how to succeed in the world of e-commerce. This podcast is brought to you by Digital Commerce at Essential. For this episode, we are digging into content on Amazon together with Amanda Wolf from OneSpace. What is content in e-commerce? Well, in short, we're talking images, titles, bullets, basically anything you see on a product detail page or PDP, and even within the different ad formats that exist within search. It might seem simple, but it really is truly an art and a science. And I think the most successful people are balancing the two. And when you take that concept and apply that to e-commerce, you know, there's a tendency to think of it as really creative, but creating content that's very storytelling in nature and that doesn't answer those really pivotal questions, those like burning questions and barriers that in a consumer's mind could block them from buying. Ultimately, that's derailing you from your end goal there. First, take a step back and think about how important these elements are for your digital shelf, because consumers don't get to physically pick up your product and investigate when it comes to e-commerce. You only get a limited amount of digital space on the screen of the phone or the laptop to convince a consumer that your product suits their needs. My name is Emma Irwin, and I am your host for this series. As a reminder, I started working in e-commerce about a year ago and obviously still have so much to learn. You're living and breathing my world, Emma. Deeply understanding content in e-commerce has actually been part of my job for the last year. So I'm super excited to bring you a conversation filled with knowledge that embodies the concept of MeTail. My absolute joy of a guest this week, Amanda Wolf, is an expert in her field. And why not let her do the introduction herself? I am Amanda Wolf. I am the head of marketing for an organization called OneSpace. We were recently purchased by Essential and have joined the illustrious family of digital commerce brands that are part of that business unit. I should probably let you know what OneSpace is before we move on. OneSpace is a digital shelf optimization company. Essentially, what that means in less fancy speak is that we help brands, large manufacturers, optimize their content for e-commerce so that it performs better in terms of search visibility, organic search, and in terms of conversion and speed to market. And we do that with a combination of our agency style services and our software. And so how did you end up at OneSpace? I worked for 17 years at a really, really large multinational company, a Dutch company, but I had reached a point in my career there where been there for quite some time. I was leading marketing and and I had gotten a recruiter call and it was the first time I ever picked up the phone for a recruiter, but it was on behalf of OneSpace and they were looking for someone to lead marketing and they were just kind of starting to move and shift their business into the e-commerce space. I had been considering that move and I was at a conference in San Francisco. And so I was at this Marketo Summit and the theme that year was Be Fearless. And so I'm sitting in this convention hall in Moscone, and it's this massive wall, probably five stories high, right, that says, be fearless. And I get this call from this scrappy startup where I would literally go from a team of like 30 or 40 people in marketing to no one but me. And I just decided to take the risk and take the leap, and I haven't looked back. It's been, it's been a really great experience. I don't have any regrets. And in this episode, we are going to learn about the three most important tips when it comes to content on Amazon. But first, I had to ask her about the last thing she purchased on Amazon. 
Okay, so this one actually kind of caught me a little bit by surprise because I'm in the Midwest and typically I have Prime. So typically things get delivered to me in a day or two. And I placed an order to get more Nespresso pods for my coffee maker because I'm a snob. And uh, (laughs) I mean, I guess I could be an even bigger snob and roast my own beans still like I used to and all of those oh my goodness. beautiful <laughs> things. But now I'm lazy and I'm, I'm still snobbing and using espresso. So I ordered more Nespresso pods and they showed up in two hours. Wow. Two hours. That's like Instacart timing. It kind of blew me away. It's like, it's my first experience. I mean, they obviously have a warehouse somewhere in the St. Louis vicinity that that came from. But yeah, so that was a first for me. And of course, I had to preface Amanda with this question before we got into it. We're going to circle back to this at the end, but I would love to know something that's been on your digital wish list, something that sits in just a cart in in a tab on your browser, on an app on your phone that you just won't press the buy now button on. So we'll come back to that at the very end. Sure. I promised that we'd get three of the most important considerations or tips when it comes to content on Amazon. So let's get into number one, which is that Amazon is pay to play. That doesn't mean that content isn't important. Amanda would even argue that it makes it more important so that you're not wasting your ad spend. When I say Amazon is pay to play, it's because their algorithm, some call it still the A9, some call it the A10, but their algorithm is more sophisticated. It's, if you kind of look at this as a spectrum where Google started out very simplistically and advanced, now can almost read your mind before you ever type anything into that search bar, Amazon's getting there. A lot of the other retailers are still working to keep up in terms of the sophistication of that algorithm. And so because of that, and also because Amazon's homepage has a lot of slots on that page that are dedicated to retail media, it really means that organic ranking or SEO is the long game. It's not something that you can probably change one word in your title on Amazon and expect that suddenly you're going to rank for gluten-free burritos tomorrow when you didn't rank for it yesterday. And so it really means even more than other retailers that you have to have a strategic plan to invest in retail media on Amazon. So you have to pay, but the key here is to do it in a smart way where your content and your organic strategies help not only ultimately elevate you so you don't have to spend as much, but that even tomorrow, if I want to rank tomorrow for gluten-free burritos and I'm willing to throw all the money for an advertising campaign at it that is in the world, right? It still means that if my product is deemed by the algorithm that it's not super relevant, maybe I'm not really a gluten-free burrito, or maybe I am, but it's nowhere in my content and nobody's ever purchased it before, my costs to advertise for that phrase, that keyword are that much higher. So Amazon is actually going to charge you more in your CPCs. You're going to see lower click-through rates. It's ultimately, it's also your content can not only help you in the long game, but it can help you make your advertising much more efficient. And then you talk about relevancy. How do you use content to drive your product's relevancy? Sure. So when it comes to relevancy and organic search, there's really kind of two ways that your content can help drive those things. The first is around the text that's actually scannable on the page. And text on your images is not scannable. 
So putting that out there first. But your copy, your titles, your bullets, your descriptions, your product descriptions, all of that is scannable or crawled by the algorithm. And so those phrases literally are matched up with consumer searches to help the site understand if your product is relevant for that phrase. But that alone is not the sole driver. And it it is a bigger driver on other retailers. On Kroger, if you make changes to your titles, you can rank pretty quickly organically. On Amazon, it takes longer. And part of the reason for that is that it's using all these other signals to help inform how your products rank. And it's really a black box. Nobody really knows exactly what goes into those algorithms, but we know that conversion drivers are really big ranking factors. And so that's the second piece that your content can help with. And on Amazon, I would actually argue that's probably an even bigger piece because if you get all of the things right on your page that are going to drive it to convert, then you're also likely going to start ranking better organically. So it's going to help your paid media be more efficient, but it's also going to help you rank organically. And there's a lot of things that are factors on the PDPs or product detail pages that that cause your product to convert. But images are a really big driver in that. Titles are a really big driver in that. To a lesser degree, enhanced content or the A-plus content below the fold, but also ratings and reviews. So all of those things kind of combine together to be big influencers that you can control to some degree, maybe not ratings and reviews, but definitely your image carousels and your titles to help drive those conversions on your page. Perfect. And one more thing to add to that one, it really is the flywheel. That phrase, it represents one of our sister businesses, but it's apropos because Amazon's flywheel is is very well known. It, it's this notion that the more you sell, the more you convert, the more visible you are, the more visible you are, the more you convert. And it spins like an infinity loop. The faster it spins, the better your products are performing. Amanda has gone back and forth talking about search results that are sponsored or paid versus ones that are organic, which are not backed by ad spend, and how important content is in influencing your organic rank. I learned from Amanda that organic products are clicked on more than sponsored. So I asked if there's anything that needs to be done differently when it comes to thinking about content for your sponsored products versus the ones you hope to show up on page one organically. Obviously, if we got into the specifics of what types of assets should be used across all of your sponsored advertising, this would be a different question. But I was trying to think about any differences when it comes to your content strategy in terms of making your sponsored products look ideal while also hoping to boost your non-sponsored products via the content you upload. I mean, I think that the end goal should still be to get really good content that's going to convert. Whether the end goal of that is to rank higher organically or to just have more efficiency in your retail spend. I don't know that they necessarily, that your content strategy needs to be drastically different. But ultimately, I like to push that customers should be thinking about something I like to call the MVPDP. It's referencing an MVP like an agile software methodology or a minimally viable product, but I call it a minimally viable product detail page because you don't necessarily, if you're a can peas manufacturer, need to invest in 15 images in your above the fold carousel, right? You probably don't need to spend as much time, money, talent on making sure your content is 
super competitive there because you don't have a lot of competition that's doing that as well. But if you're in the pet food category or in the electronics category, that may be very, very different for you. Amazon has the luxury or we have the luxury when we're publishing content to Amazon that you can turn that around pretty quickly. And so it's just a good opportunity. And you mentioned turning things around quickly, but I'm going to counter that in that I work with lots of manufacturers where turning around specific like lifestyle images, even main images that better show what the product is, is not easily done. And it is actually incredibly difficult. And it has to go back to the brand team. The brand team doesn't necessarily want to do it. What is your advice? And this is a major conflict point for me on many of my accounts. So what is your advice when it comes to this? You're living and breathing my world, Emma. So (laughs) it's always a challenge. Routing content and getting approvals is definitely one of the pain points to speed. It's, It's almost an antithesis to speed in a CPG world, especially. But I think that there's ways around that. And one of them is that, you know, brand teams and marketing teams typically have to do a promotional calendar pretty far in advance. So at the time that you're looking at refreshing your content, maybe you look at refreshing your e-commerce content every six months or every year, that's really the ideal time to go ahead and create that seasonal or campaign-specific imagery. Do it at the same time that your designer is working on all of your other images that are going to be augmented in your carousel. Because it's not just an efficiency in terms of getting approvals from routing, but it's also just a speed and efficiency play for the designer. Before we get into Amanda's second and third points, I wanted to talk more about the barriers that can exist when consumers are thinking about making a purchase. Amanda told me about merchandising questions, which are questions that revolve around the size, color, flavor, etc. of the product you're trying to buy. I just placed an order on Instacart this morning to have some more waters and some other things delivered to the house so that I had some lunch today. One of the items that I had ordered was hard-boiled eggs, those like pre-hard-boiled eggs. And it was supposed to be a larger pack, but instead I got two hard-boiled eggs, which, you know, I can make do, but it was really like a snack pack. So definitely not enough that I can make, like I was going to cheat and use them for ramen tonight for dinner (laughs) for my whole family. Well, now, obviously, I've got two hard-boiled eggs. I'm probably going to do it the right way and soft-boil them so that there's that beautiful, you know, slightly soft yolk. I'm going to not cheat now. But yes, it was a fail. So, you know, even as of this morning, I had a fail. Now that we covered Amanda's first point, which again was that while Amazon is paid to play, it doesn't mean that you can't forget about your content and should actually prioritize it. We can move on to Amanda's second tip for content that helps brands and manufacturers win on Amazon. And the second tip is titles. I would always argue to be consumer driven first an algorithmic driven second. Because conversion is such a big factor in the algorithm that even if you have that exactly perfect weird keyword in your content, if the consumers are going to be confused by that in any way, then it's ultimately going to hurt your your organic ranking. So, you know, those are the kinds of phrases or keywords, if they're really, really clunky, that I would suggest putting in your hidden keywords. Or perhaps if you can work them in a little more elegantly into your product descriptions on Amazon, that's a good place for them. 
consumers who are looking for gluten-free burritos really like this product, right? That's a way that you can work in keywords that may be a little out of the box for your product or maybe even might not be approved readily in your title by a brand team or something um, that you can still typically try to kind of squeeze in there. Let's go back to basics on titles. I'm going to ask you, how do you write a title? And I have a live example that nobody will be able to see, but I have a green Florida Gators coffee mug sitting next to me. And so I can't just list it on it. Well, I mean, I could list on Amazon as a Florida Gators mug, but that's not as optimized as it could be. Where do we start with writing optimized titles for Amazon? Sure. So Amazon and all of the retailers will typically give you some kind of formula that you should be using as a guide. Um, but it is truly a guide. And I would also challenge that a lot of brands will use whatever title is in their product packaging, like whatever your product name is called on the packaging, they'll pick that up and and run with that. So a good example of that might be, you know, your product is a facial cleanser. And so you call your product brand name, facial cleanser, complete something, something, something like a benefit, and then the size of the product. And so that'll all be in the in the title in that kind of format. The luxury with Amazon compared to some other retailers is that they actually allow longer titles and it's become a standard and a norm that is not hurting conversions to have longer titles. So if I'm a manufacturer of a facial cleanser and I go into one space search data and I see or or ARIP you can also see for your category, face wash gets a lot more searches than facial cleanser. So it becomes a negotiation then with my brand teams, legal and regulatory. Sometimes you may even, if you're in over-the-counter pharma, you may have medicine, you know, medical team you have to get approvals from. But it becomes a negotiation about how to get that keyword into your title. And I think there are some brands who've done some really clever things there. Pringles, I think, is a great example. They're called crisps, potato crisps, which makes a lot of sense in Europe and in the UK, and but not so much in the US. We don't call them crisps. We call them potato chips. <laughs> but they technically are a different category of product than a potato chip. So they've got examples that call them Pringles potato crisps. And then it might say one can of potato chips. But another thing that you can do is A-B test. Amazon has the ability to A-B test certain elements of the PDP. You can test titles, main images, and enhanced content. Now, a few little asterisks that I'm going to put around that statement. You can't test every single SKU or ASIN that you have. It's offered by Amazon for high-performing and high-moving items. So you'll need to look in your portfolio in Vendor Central in particular to understand is are these ASINs that I want to test even available to do any kind of A-B testing for? The other big thing that I would add to that is that you want to really understand what your goals are with that test because Amazon recommends, I think it's anywhere between four to 10 weeks um, to run tests. A sweet spot is around eight weeks um, to run these tests. And when you get the results of the tests, it's very clear they say, this is the winner. A is the winner or B is the winner. But when you dig a little bit deeper, sometimes you might actually find that there might be more sales 
or more conversions tied to the loser, or they're so close that they're statistically insignificant. And so Amazon really recommends vastly different A-B tests. So you're not just testing one subtle word here or there, that you're doing something pretty dramatically different with the tests. But I would just, you know, caution not to take it as the golden ticket when you get that winner from Amazon. There's a little more nuances there. We've we've seen some that, you know, you test for eight weeks, you wait a few weeks and you test again and do the exact same test and you get a totally different outcome. So it really depends a lot on the volume that's flowing through that test for you to really understand if it's a winner or not. We have now made it to Amanda's third tip, which is all about your image strategy. Amazon does allow something we call advanced images. They're the images that you can actually turn into almost like little infographics where you write headlines on them or you, you know, you have key messaging on the photograph, for example, or on the product pack. And so they do allow those images. They don't allow text on your main image anymore. Um, in most cases, there are some workarounds to some of that. And I can I can talk more about this. This is a whole topic I could probably dig deep into for an hour or more. But Amazon allows this text on the images. The thing to note, though, is that the algorithm is not crawling those words. So those words are not necessarily going to support you from a ranking standpoint, the way those same words would be in your title. So I recommend reinforcing those those really big words that you want to rank for, both in your title and on the images. Because the consumers, even though the algorithm doesn't use those phrases to help you rank on the images, the consumer seeing those on the image carousel, knowing how important those images are to that person and and on Amazon in general, we all like flipping through those images quickly. And they drive a lot of conversion behavior, you know, making sure that you have that key message listed right there so that they understand, oh, this is caramel coffee because I was really wanting caramel coffee. And instead I'm seeing all of this other stuff, but I'm not seeing that reinforced right away on an image. Then that can also create confusion, which kills conversion. So yeah, so they're not super crawlable, but they're very, very important to conversion. But you also have to make sure that you don't necessarily fill up your images all with text because that's not helping out either. That's correct. So that's a huge pitfall. And I see it all the time that brands are going in the right direction. You know, they're trying to message and market. But the challenge is that on mobile, Amazon only shows six images in a video or seven if you don't have a video, right? So on the mobile app or the mobile web, you're not, you're not seeing all of those images that maybe you want to include. That's very different, by the way, from a site like Walmart, where when you're in the app, it's literally just a left-right scroll and you could have 15 images if you wanted to. And the consumer is probably going to look at every one of those, especially if the product is more complex. So on Amazon, because you only have those six or seven images, brands try to kind of put too much stuff in the bag, right? What is it, 50 pounds in a 10-pound bag? They're trying to squeeze in all the messaging. And what happens there is that copy gets really small and on mobile, it's not readable. So there's a whole team that really does a great job studying user experience of mobile imagery, particularly with main or hero images. But it's also really meaningful to think through that mobile experience with the rest of your images as well. Um, You want to try to find that sweet spot 
get the message out that consumers really want to know. And you can find that message from data, like I talked about before, right? From search data, from competitor analysis, even from ratings and reviews. If you understand consumers are really dinging your product because they think it's one thing that it's not, now's a great opportunity in your image carousel to clarify that. Prevents returns, and it ultimately helps your reviews improve. I also think that was very much a, like, what the manufacturer has to do point of view for the consumer experience. Something that I've seen, and I know you've also seen it, is that Amazon is also always trying to improve that consumer experience. Love too. There's a little web lab that I'm very excited about where you hover over a product in search and the carousel actually runs through. I am incredibly excited about that. It's one of my favorite things that I see when I look at a website. And I've seen that on a few other retailers too. So you were just talking about the web labs. You know, Amazon is playing with all kinds of different changes to both the product detail pages and the way that they lay out, but also in the search results. And so, you know, one of the more powerful web labs that that we've spotted is around that image carousel where when you mouse over it, it animates. And you can start seeing not just the main image, but multiple images. Target already has that feature for a second image, by the way. So, you know, there are other retailers who've already been going down that path. And in this way, Amazon is kind of taking it and one-upping it by letting you see the whole carousel in those web labs. But not every consumer is seeing those based on IP address, and they're definitely not showing up for every category. So it's still very much in testing. Other things that we've spotted, though, are for certain categories, like the home goods category, we've seen them change the placement of their images. So normally the images are shown on the very left and they're stacked vertically. And we've started seeing those image carousels displayed underneath the main image instead of to the left of the main image. So they're playing with placements. They're playing with those search results. And, you know, we're definitely seeing a lot of new things happening. Sometimes even the main image that displays on Amazon is not always the first image in the carousel. I'm seeing that happen more and more where it's obviously a test. It's a system-driven thing. Maybe it's based on which image has the most engagement, but it's still too early to know why that's happening. We've seen it in particular for some of their own private label products like Alexa. For sure. It's always, it fascinates me. It's always interesting to see for my example, on the agency side, what we're paying attention to and trying to help manufacturers optimize and understand. But then there's also, you think of there's a team at Amazon trying to figure out what the best ways to present content to consumers are. Yeah, there was even a a period of time where the image carousel, the first seven of those images were repeating when you started scrolling down and you got past the title and the price. And then, you know, before you got to the enhanced content, they were repeating those first seven images that were in the carousel, and then you would get to the content. That was about a month ago that I saw that last appear. It seems like they've already removed that in the examples that I had been spotting it in. But it, you know, clearly more testing. I'm kind of glad they removed that because it was very redundant and it created a lot of scroll fatigue on the app. But yeah, it might still be there for some categories. I don't know, but I've I've stopped seeing it for the ones I was testing. I'm glad that I never saw that because that does sound very redundant. That covers Amanda's three tips for how content can help you win on Amazon. Before we close out, remember how Amanda was talking about being fearless in the beginning of the episode? I asked her if she's still fearless. Yeah, I think that it's really important 
for me anyway, I can't say this for everyone, but the moment that I stop trying and stop giving my all and stop fighting the fight, right? That that's probably the moment I need to retire (laughs) or change my career. I have a lot of personal drive. And I think that with that drive means taking some risks. Now, maybe it's not changing jobs or maybe it's not, you know, going to a totally different field. But I think in marketing, you have to be willing to try something new and to take risks. And that's an area I'm really passionate about. I was just going to ask if those attributes you were describing help you in your day-to-day job and your work. And I know they're definitely applicable to marketing as well as um, e-commerce in general. You need to kind of be willing to test things out and try different things without knowing if they're actually going to bring you success. That's exactly right. I think a big part of marketing is understanding that it's okay to fail. You just want to fail fast and without causing too much damage. (laughs) Been there many times. Thankfully, all of my failures are not like colossal ones where everything comes on fire and is like rolling down the hill. But it's such like a cool learning experience to be able to fail so many times. But you have to. It's one of the best ways to learn things. And of course, we had to come back to our digital wish list question, too. I really, really want an outdoor pizza oven. Nice. (laughs) That is a wood burning and gas combo unit. Specific, yeah. Very specific. I want to be able to make my pizzas even if the weather's not accommodating my wood choices for the day. But it's, you know, it's a little pricey. And so I am, uh, I'm notorious about saving my credit card points and using those for purchases like that. So I'm about maybe a month or two away from having enough points. And then, then it's mine. I support that. I want that. So I'm, (laughs) it's amazing just to hear the diversity in what people say. Last, last thing. Are you a dog person? I am. I am. That's yes, good. I have a rescue dog. He Aww. is. Uh, I got him when he was four. Uh, he's a Shih Tzu, and he dominates the house. Completely dominates all of us. As they do. Very loving, very snuggly, but oddly enough, he has a complete aversion to laptops. <laughs> and I'm not joking. And. <laughs> barks like a maniac if he hears the slack notification oh my gosh (laughs) i don't know what kind of trauma the poor thing faced but before he came into my life but he is not a fan of laptops so i typically have to put him downstairs on the porch when i'm working or if he sees my laptop he just loses his little mind that's so funny. <laughs> I've never heard of. We had a Shih Tzu for a while. My parents said we actually had two, but the saxophone that my brother played was like just not, it was not his jam. He would sit and howl <laughs> and howl, hated the saxophone. Yeah, but the saxophone's yeah. a little bit more aggressive than the slack notification sound. <laughs> it's really, really terrible. You've made it to the end of another episode of Mastering Tail. I hope you've learned something about content and can bring this knowledge to your content strategy going forward to help your company win on Amazon. If you're enjoying this series, please share the word, like us, follow us, check us out at essential.com, all of that good stuff. I am your host, Emma Irwin, and you can find me at emma.irwin at essential.com or on LinkedIn. Haven't said this yet, but reach out. I would love to connect you with the brilliant people who work at Essential. This episode was produced by Klaus Cancel with sound design by Enos Satenji. Join us for our next episode where we will cover supply chain. 
Think about how manufacturers get products to Amazon, how products to get to consumers at the speed of Amanda's Nespresso pods, and everything in between. See you next time.